Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm Davey. And I'm Aubrey. And we are so thrilled to have you back this week because this, uh, well, I'm especially thrilled, Davey. <laughs> I know you are too, but this one feels very like woman. Yeah. So I'm very excited that we've got Tiffany Bloom. She is yeah. a sought after speaker, writer, podcast co-host of a really popular podcast called Why Though. Mm-hmm. She also, I mean, she's like, you know, she speaks at conferences, events around the world. She's right. been in World Vision magazine. She's wow. been on today parent she's been on the hallmark channel she's been on the jenny mccarthy show like she's everywhere she has a new book called pray tell that's out that's really about uh you know women sharing their stories of abuse and assault and what happens when women do that which unfortunately is often that women aren't believed and so it's a her message is a strong one. Yeah. This this is one of those, you know, is a difficult conversation for me to go into just because of the, the seat that I sit in, right? Because I'm 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 a yeah. man. I don't know. And yet it was I was so curious about the conversation because and and I'll say this, this is why I love that that you're you know, hosting this as well, Aubrey. And I can't wait to lean in on what you have to say about this afterwards. Because I, I only know what I know. And I don't know what right. I don't know. And I can right. only see things through my perspective. And I think right. the past couple of years have taught all of us that, right? That we definitely yeah. don't have the full perspective on right. things. And so it's so important for us to to take some time and create the space to listen and Absolutely. go, what is it like to experience the world through your eyes and in your shoes? Yeah. And it, it, if, even if I can't quite put myself there, how do I, as much as possible, seek to understand and empathize with, with the way that you're, you know, the way that you're interfacing with the world, and the way the world interfaces with you. And so I'm really excited to hear your perspective on this conversation. Um, and, and that whole topic as well, Aubrey, I'm going to read a, I don't normally do this, Aubrey, but I'm <gasps> going to read a, uh, review on Apple podcast. Awesome. Um, this is a five-star review. Thank you so much for, for thank the you, five-star review. You. It's called, uh, the title is awesome podcast. As a pastor's wife, mom, ministry leader, and Christ follower, this podcast encourages me so much. I'm so thankful for this resource and ministry that helps me in my daily walk with the Lord. I love Amen. that. Thank I you. Love so, that too. I, what I love about that, Aubrey, is that it's very general, that it's not yeah. someone who's going, Hey, I've been walking through this pain journey and, mm-hmm. and this has really helped me. And connect, but this just your walk with the Lord. And I think that yeah. again just goes to show that when people are walking through difficult pain, there's some rich gems of God's wisdom that surfaces there. And so uh, that's why I love listening to conversations with people who are, you know, who are going through difficult things. It's like, yeah, you, you've met with the Lord. Can be, you met with the Lord and the, that can inspire other people. We can borrow your faith. And there are yeah. some things that even if you haven't walked, it can be like principalized exactly. right, for your own journey. So I, I love that this person said that. And we would love to invite all of you, if this podcast ministers to you at all, if you, if you meet the Lord here, we'd love to invite yeah. you to rate and review the podcast as we like to say that that helps the podcast get out to more people that encourages us to keep going. And um, again, helps other people to access what's happening here at nothing is wasted. So we're really grateful for you. All right, Davey, without further ado, I think it's time to jump in to your conversation with Tiffany Bloom. Tiffany, thanks for joining me on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Oh, such an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I would love before we dive into your story because it, it's a tender one. It's a it's a sacred one. It's going to really help so many people. Um, but I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, in case our listeners aren't familiar with you and 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 what you're doing and and uh, the book that you've just recently released, I, I would love for them to just hear a little bit of present day context for for you and your life. Yes, Tiffany Bloom. I'm an author, speaker, and podcaster. I co-host a show called Why Though? Answering the existential questions we ask ourselves. I live in the Seattle area with my husband and two boys, and I have spent my life at the intersection of faith, women, and justice. Those are the Mm. three things that keep me up at night thinking of how we can advance the kingdom and 
and truly contribute to human flourishing and renewal in a way yeah. that is creative and visionary and unlike anything we've ever seen. Wow. That's so good. You know, we talk often about how usually our purpose flows out of some kind of pain that we've walked through. And that's the place we're always trying to get our listeners to is, hey, right. this pain that has happened to you, it may, it may be senseless. It, it may not have an, an, an explanation for it. When we look at God and go, God, why? Maybe we don't see that why, but it can still have meaning and purpose. God can do something out of it. And that's definitely true of your story, that the reason you are working at the intersection of these three things is because of some pain that you've walked through. And so I know I don't want to waste any time before we dive into this, because I know that this is a this is a, a heavy conversation. We could have a lot that we could kind of munch on here, um, both you know uh, uh, prescriptively for the church, uh, both prescriptively for the world, for um, folks who are experiencing things, um, and and as as well as just you know you explaining some things that have gone on in your life and helping us with with where God met you in that. So why don't you dive back and and start your story. Um, what, whatever you would deem as the beginning of that. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, Davey, I'm the girl who played by all the rules. Uh, purity culture, I was like, sign me up. Everything that the church <laughs> had to offer, that evangelical culture had to offer, I was I was for it. Because I figured if if church sets all the rules and this is what it means to follow Jesus, if I do everything right, surely I'll A, be rewarded, B, be seen, and C, be cared for. And so as somebody who's an Enneagram 3 high achiever, learner, <laughs> want to charge the hill. I'm right there with you. Here we go. I was, <laughs> I was unpleasantly surprised when I thought I did all the right things and my world came crashing down around me. I was doing dignified work that I loved. I was in a community I loved, a faith community I loved. Um, my husband was super involved. My whole world was set in one place where... It was friends, it was people we were mentoring, it was work we loved. And a very dear friend of mine came to me with news of the very worst kind about somebody we both admired and somebody both we both looked up to and somebody who had a lot of influence in our lives and shared abusive power and shared how his abusive power at uh, a woman's expense not only had impacted her life, but impacted others. And here I was caught in the middle. Because what do you do when someone you admire, you've discovered that perhaps they have had unsavory actions? How do we process that, especially if we have something to lose? You know, we hear stories all the time in the news of how things have gone terribly wrong. And we ask questions of, well, well where did it start? Why didn't anybody say anything? And there's so many of us who find ourselves in the crosshairs of other people's decisions, yet we have to pay the consequences. We didn't do it. We didn't sin. We didn't commit the action. Yet here we are bearing the weight of somebody else's sin. And so for me, discovering abusive power, uh, I knew I had a lot to lose because I was a cog in a wheel in a system that yeah. claimed goodness and claimed hope and claimed renewal and claimed life. Yet it was doing quite the opposite to people on the inside. Yeah. And so I wrestled. Um, I went dark for about six months, just honestly tortured with what I knew because secrets, <laughs> we don't keep secrets, secrets keep us. And yeah, it was something yeah. that uh, just, it kept me up at night. It tortured me. I mean, I'd be waking up in the bathroom floor, just crying out to God, like, I don't know what to do because I knew if I were to speak up as somebody low on the totem pole, I would have so much more to lose than this person in power. Mm. But yet the right thing is often the hard thing. And I think sometimes we just got to, we want to get over something. We want to get over it. We want to go under it. We don't want to go through it. But when yeah. the right thing is the holy thing, when the right thing is the hard thing, there's only one choice and that's to walk through it. Even if we're scared, mm. even if we're terrified, even if we could lose everything. Yeah. And so that's exactly what I did. I spoke up um, about this abusive power to the powers that be. And rather than be heard and honored, the first punch of witnessing abusive power and, and my own uh, subjugation as a woman um, in the context that I was in, but then also the second punch of not being believed. Davey, I'll tell you what, there is nothing as painful as being somebody who finally gets the courage to say something, yeah. to speak the truth and to break silence, and then to be told, surely that can't be true. And if you did feel a reason to speak up, 
you must have some vendetta. You must have some grunt, uh, grudge held against this person. Yeah. Remember, the girl who played by all the rules, the girl who right. was getting A plus or at the least an A minus, all of a sudden, yeah. I've got mud on my face simply because I want to tell the truth. And historically, when we look from Hagar to Tamar to the Samaritan woman to the woman caught in adultery in our modern day, women have been dragged through the mud when they've been when they've been put on front street, when they've mm-hmm. been invited to tell the truth or when they've told the truth all on their own. And so uh, my story is one of tragedy and honesty and discovering that we silence women in sacred and secular spaces. And when we do, we diminish the image of God in half yeah. the earth. Yeah. Wow. You know, so here you are, you're caught in the crosshairs of this abusive power. Um, you know, people that you know, that you love, who um, are victims of this, and you choose to speak up, but you're met with, you know, this, this idea of, uh, you know, of course, you, you must have some kind of vendetta, this can't be true, Mischaracterization some, some, kind, of, some yeah. kind of axe to grind, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. What, what, what went on in your, in your mind, in your heart right there? You know, what was the as you're receiving that and you're um, no doubt you're, you're surprised by it. You're like, wait a minute. I thought this was going to play out differently. What were the things you were wrestling with? You talked earlier about the existential questions that we are really presenting here. There had to have been some existential philosophical questions, not to mention really personal feelings of like, wait a minute, hold on a second. And all of those things melding together. What was, what was your, your response on the inside? Yeah. I think my initial response was why Lord, because when we uh, when we know information about somebody else or information about ourselves or something we've gone through, if we can keep it to ourselves, we have some sort of sense of control. But when that's yeah. spoken into the world and we can no longer hold and we know we have to walk out something hard and then mischaracterization and you feel misunderstood and your life's works being torn apart simply because you told the truth. And of course, again, women throughout human history know this intimately on a smaller or large scale. Yeah. I really wondered why, Lord, why people who claim your name can speak so ill of people just because it doesn't make sense to them. Because so many of us, when we have first impressions of people, 80% of us can't change those. 80% of us are like, nope, if this person said they were holy and and we had a transcendent experience at their behest, then that's who they are. Mm. But what if that very person is somebody who's caused harm in ways we couldn't even fathom? Yeah, but what yeah. then? How do how do we reckon with that? It really is a is is quite the quite the brain teaser. And so for myself, it was like, Lord, why, why, why? After working so hard and being so faithful to you, why would you leave me here to do this alone? Why? What did I? You know, you're asking yourself, what did I do to deserve this? Like I have been good. I, I have I have listened to you. I have heeded your commands. Yet here I am, and this is my plot in life. This is my lot in life. Anna, where do I go from here? So I would say that's where I, <laughs> that's where I met him in the, in the hiding place. And uh, I would consider myself a somewhat confident person, but I would say my confidence took two to the chest. Yeah. It really did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, you start to question your judgment of yourself, your judgment of other people, um, hard things and hard moments and truly lived experiences that are soaked in tragedy. They make you question why you believe what you do and who deserves goodness. Mm. At this point, <clears throat> you're met with this resistance. Um, was it a, was it a moment where then you had to kind of decide, okay, do I back down? Do I keep pushing? Do I keep trying to, do I try to rally some other folks around this whole idea and help people? Do I go back to the person or the people that I know have been victimized and, yeah. and help them somehow? Like, you know, yeah. you're caught in the middle of this. Where did you go next? What was, yeah, what, what, what? I think I intimately discovered like many in faith contexts that those who are whistleblowers are often seen as gossipers, as, mm. um, as attackers of the gospel, as Jezebel. I mean, it's, it's wild what we're mm. willing to label somebody when they don't fit into our understanding of what's holy. And so we're willing to write off people that we don't understand, or we're willing to write off people if they don't, um, continue to contribute to our belief system of how we see somebody or how we see a particular community. Um, So I think 
not only feeling misunderstood, but feeling if like I kept pushing, I would be seen more and more as an agitator was really painful. And that really led me, Davey, to wrestle with my loyalty to my convictions or my loyalty to an institution. And I think often we have to ask ourselves that is like, when we go back, what did the Lord call us to? No matter what you do, no matter what sphere of life you find yourself in, what did the Lord call me to? What does the fruit of the spirit look like in my life? And I have to continue to lean into that because that fruit, other people are tasting. And I pray that it would be good regardless of what I've gone through. I believe that the Lord can produce good fruit. Or I can stay loyal to an institution and I can stay quiet in the, in the hope of being seen as spiritually mature Mm. and the hope of being seen as not an agitator, but as somebody who's just willing to keep things under wrap because I don't want to hurt the witness of the church or I don't want to hurt the witness of the gospel. So we ask ourselves, where, where do I, where do I sit here? And I pray that we would all be led. I was certainly of just back to my convictions I exist to follow and worship Jesus, and that can look outrageously difficult on certain days and in certain seasons, but it's my obligation and and my joy nonetheless. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, can you know, you mentioned something just a second ago that, uh, you know, when someone who, someone who's maybe a whistleblower in a situation like this, they often get kind of written off as a gospel or Jezebel spirit. Mm-hmm. Can you delineate those for us? Just, you know, for the sake of it, there might be somebody who's mm-hmm. in a situation right now and they're going, okay, I need to come forward about something. There's some kind of leadership or influence that, you know, is over me. Right. And, and there's some kind of abuse that's taking place. I need to come forward. I want to know how to do this right. Yeah. And not, you know, cause obviously, you know, gossip in a gossip culture is not a healthy culture. And yet there are you, 100% these kinds of injustices need to be confronted and, but confronted in a proper way, in a biblical way, just yeah. help us delineate that. What, yeah. how, how do we walk that plumb line? Yeah. I think first we need to be in a decent headspace just between us and the mm-hmm. Lord, um, go before the Lord and ensure that if we are going to speak up, that we're emotionally and spiritually prepared to do so. Um, yeah. well, before we think of how we want to walk this out, we need to ensure that, um, we have the capacity to do so. And then I would say in every organization, you know, nonprofit, faith, business, corporation, education, politics, there is some sort of chain of command. So finding out who that is, because telling a friend um, within the same system is probably not a great use of your uh, secret or your, or your sensitive yeah. matter, um, but going to somebody who can do something about it, going to somebody yeah. who can lend their strength and lend their voice and lend their comfort. Now, as we've seen, especially lately in the news, we can't go six, eight weeks without seeing some sort of pastor, shepherd, leader, we discover who's abused his power and and someone did come forward. But that those stories happen, but there, there's even more stories where there is somebody who answered that call. There is somebody that they were able to go to. And I really encourage anybody who finds themselves in this situation Invite someone to lend their strength completely out of your context. Maybe it's a mentor or a, or somebody who doesn't live in the same city as you, somebody that you can share and process with who's, who's spiritually mature and who can walk this out with you. And I'm so glad I had that because long before I reported it, I had somebody who said, you don't have to do this alone. I'll walk this out with you. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be here for you as a sounding board. And he was a longtime pastor um, uh, from my youth. So being able to then go to somebody who did have more power than I. And I would encourage you, no matter who you are, again, gossip is a real thing and that is damaging and it doesn't make you look good. So being able to go to whether it's HR, whether it's an executive director or an executive pastor, if you're in a faith context, anybody who truly is going to be responsible for that matter. Now, let's say that person doesn't take your matter seriously or uh, you you aren't seeming to get your point across or you feel dismissed, whatever the case may be. Um, there are other options. And I think sometimes we forget there are, uh, yeah. the EEOC, the equal employment office commission, um, exists in America for those of your listeners who are listening stateside, um, where you can report abusive power such as this or harassment or assault or any of these kinds of things that might happen um, because they do. And there's professionals to help walk that through and hold the organization accountable for how they will handle it. Mm, That's really good. 
you know, the, the more that we're working with people in our organization, um, who are experiencing different kinds of abuses, um, you know, we, we see that there's like different types, obviously, you know, we can categorize them. There's physical abuse, there's sexual abuse, there's, um, or the abuse of the nature that we're kind of talking about or alluding to right now is this like abuse of power. Mm-hmm. I think what I've seen over the past, uh, you know, decade maybe is that that abuse is at least coming to the forefront more, the abuse mm-hmm. of power. It's becoming more prevalent. It's also the trickiest one to identify, right? Because they're in, in all abuse, there's a spectrum, right? In every category of abuse, there's a spectrum, but on each spectrum, there's usually this line where it's like, okay, it's crossed the line. It's now abuse, you know, yeah. that one is a lot, feels a lot more gray for a lot of different reasons, yeah. you know? Um, can you kind of help us help to qualify that spectrum a little bit, you know, help us to understand so that one, maybe we can be self-aware as maybe we're in a position of leadership, right? We can be self-aware in that, or maybe we are in a system and we're trying to discern whether or not, is this a, is this abuse of power? It can feel very muddy and gray. I'm not really sure, you know? Yeah. So to do that, let's let's run through a grid of power dynamics. So you have gender, you know, between men and women, you have physical size, you have class, you have reputation, you have ethnicity, you have uh, income. And so being able to see where can power be abused is first understanding those power dynamics. And any of those can be abused when we create hierarchy. When we believe that somebody is more important because of one of those things, class, physical size, uh, Uh, gender or reputation platform, all of those things. So when we're willing to order ourselves, there is your beginning step for abusive power. And what does that invite? Just as you said, it invites self-awareness to consider because we all walk around with these dynamics. Every single one of us, we come to the table with these dynamics. We all make up some sort of measure of power wherever we go, wherever we present ourselves by what we drive and the job we have and even um, our dialect and our language and our accent. So when we can first understand how we've ordered people, we can understand how we can abuse that. Now, interestingly, Davey, uh, I love how you said in the past 10 years, it's been more prevalent. We've also seen the rise of social media in the past 10 years. So we're, right, we're able right. to see how people have been put on blast when they haven't felt heard. Uh, the Me Too movement started on Twitter, for goodness sake. So yeah. we, there has been an avenue for public lament in a way that there wasn't before when people were dismissed when they brought up their crimes against them. And I think it's interesting when you see abusive power, as you said, a spectrum, you'll often see people in power shed the virtues that got them to a place of power in the first place, whether it be generosity or allyship or kindness Mm. or uh, just good old leadership. But as they have more power over time, research shows that they'll shed those virtues and that they will model more narcissistic tendencies because there's this understanding subconsciously that I'm in charge. And when there's a lack of accountability, there is this view of everyone is here to meet my needs. And there are my quote unquote supply that, and then if they're no longer useful to me, I no longer need them in my circle. And that's where abuse takes place was when realizing I have power and my consequences are my understanding of consequences are void of empathy and compassion and cause and effect. And that, my friend, is where we really get in trouble. When we aren't able to interact empathetically and compassionate yeah. as Christ has instructed us to do, which is why I love when you look at scripture, especially in the early church, you see such accountability. You can get away with right. nothing. You were on right. Front Street with a letter that we're still reading 2,000 years later of how you acted a fool, <laughs> right? We, we, we know the disciples True. who acted a fool or the early church leaders. And, and in our modern day, <clears throat> we have created such a, Western understanding of hierarchy and that it's the top-down leadership, which we have no precedent in the New Testament for, yet that is where we get in our trouble. And when those uh, middle managers or when those those people who are up supporting this leader or abuser of power, whoever they may be, man or woman, um, they become accomplices. They become enablers. And that's where we all have to look at ourselves. Because you know, 95% of us aren't going to abuse our power in a way that's going to end up on CNN. But right. 95% of us are probably enabling abusers of power, and we don't even realize it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, this can kind of go into like a, I mean, an entire, uh, gosh, like 
philosophical conversation about, you know, uh, how certain certain institutions should be structured. You know, you've got like, of course you have faith-based institutions and specifically the church that's going to have a different governmental structure than maybe like a, you know, a a Forbes 400 company or something. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And and by nature, that's, that's very justifiable, I think. Um, But you do start to ask and want, you know, you start wondering, is there supposed to be chain of command? Right. And, and, and if there is like, especially in like a faith-based type organization, um, you know, if there is, then obviously that, that particular position has to be the higher you rise, you have to be even more aware of abusing 100%. that position. Right. And so it's like, it's like two different conversations. So what is the structure supposed to look like? And then, okay, maybe if this is the best structure for it, at least in a fallen world where we don't yeah. have perfect structures, you know, mm-hmm. then, then how do we, how do we act as Christ and specifically the, the church as a whole or evangelical, you know, Christians as a whole within this structure, yeah. you know, cause it's funny, like, as I think about it and I'm just philosophizing with you right now, Tiffany, but as I think about it, Jesus talked about a table, Right. His disciples consistently ask questions. Who is, who among us is greater? You know, and he would, he would flip it on its head and he'd say, well, the one that's greater is the one that serves, you know, the least among you is going to be. And if you're coming into a a banquet hall, don't assume the seat next to the host. Come on. Assume the last seat, you know, lest you be moved down the table. So there seemed to be a little bit of a hierarchy. And yet the way we operate within that hierarchy needs to be upside down, according Mm -hmm. to the kingdom. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And so it's just, it's a really interesting, I don't know. I'm literally just like kind of thinking yeah. out loud with you right now, and, but, it, but the, what you're saying has caused me to really think about this, you know? Yeah. And I love that you, that's the most vivid, juicy example possible because in the old Testament, we do see anointing for mm-hmm. Kings, you know, of Israel, but in the new Testament, we don't see that that anointing stopped yeah. once Christ came. It is now on all of us to live like Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit. So there isn't this this idea of hierarchy. Of course, there's some level of that in every organization, and that's that's how life works. But the idea that we would look to serve and that we would keep that spirit of humility is central to how we live out the gospel in our everyday lives. Yeah, that's really good. Okay, so let me kind of, if if you're talking to somebody right now, you know, we, we talk, let me kind of give you some context. We talk a lot about four perpetrators of pain. You know, when you're in pain, it's, it's a little bit oversimplified, but essentially there's four buckets of causation behind the pain. You know, one is that we live in a fallen and broken world and we're just caught up in the, the sin curse. And the next one is, um, uh, our own sinful choices, right. Mm-hmm. That can lead us to a place of pain. Um, nobody's, I think as Matt Chandler says, nobody's hurt me, deceived me, you know, lied to me more than me. Um, mm, and then, mm-hmm. and then you've got, um, a spiritual attack. There is some spiritual, you know, in, yep. as Ephesians six talks about, there's mm-hmm. a spiritual war going on. And so the enemy will bring some pain or some, you know, as the Ephesians six calls it the fiery arrows. But then the fourth perpetrator is other people's sinful choices. Yeah. And we become victims of this. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, and so there are some things that we have to kind of choose. We have to go, okay, where, where do I have agency even when I've become a victim? Yeah. Right. Even when I'm in a situation where it seems like I have no control, you know, St. Francis of Assisi would talk about, you know, in the, in the serenity prayer, show me where I have some control, where show me what, what can I control in this? And I think oftentimes when we find ourselves as victims from someone else's perpetration, we almost think it's mutually exclusive. Like we almost think, okay, if I'm going to operate like Christ, I have to just kind of carte blanche forgive Mm. or I become a whistleblower, right? It's like those two concepts. It's oftentimes in our own spirit, they don't seem to, you know, they don't seem to, to marry together. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about the tension between those two things, right? Because you found yourself in a situation where you tried to raise your voice and n- nothing happened. Right. And yet you still had to figure out how to deal with it here and come yeah. to terms with it, come to, come to some sort of peace with it so that you weren't operating out of trauma as we talk yeah, to people about a lot. Right? right. 
and yet still speaking out for injustice. It's like those two things, they're not mutually exclusive. So where do those things fit together, you know? Yeah. I first, as you're describing this, um, I recently heard this idea that you can't fight a holy battle on natural ground. You got to fight a holy battle on holy ground. And so Mm. that first goes back to just going before the Lord and seeking our own healing, healing from the burdens and the heaviness that we've worn again, that we did not ask for that we are dealing with consequences of other people's sins. So first finding freedom from our own heavy burdens. Um, Mm. And then, you know, we understand that we might not ever get an apology from the people who owe us one, but to be able to, and, and truly scripturally, repentance always precedes forgiveness. But sometimes that doesn't happen in our lives. But mm. the idea that our liberation awaits when we can offer offer forgiveness and understanding that it's not our job to protect other people's sin. Mm. It's not my full-time yeah. job to ensure that this person has a great image when yeah. I'm over here bleeding to death. And I think we need to acknowledge well, that our burdens good. are real because so many of us, when we're not seen or believed or understood, we feel well, how do I heal if we can't acknowledge that this happened? And yeah. every therapist would tell you, you first have to acknowledge this happened and your emotions are real and they you got to honor those. And until yeah. that happens, our our, our healing is, is stalled. And so being able yeah. to acknowledge this happened and this affected me in ways, you know, financially, professionally, socially, spiritually, in ways I couldn't have even dreamed, being able to acknowledge those heavy burdens and being able to acknowledge how they've affected me um, was huge in in walking out healing, because uh, especially for those of us who lean toward a more diplomatic nature, the idea mm-hmm. of being the whistleblower isn't particularly appealing. Um, yeah. Yet we are, we're truth tellers. We're truth tellers yeah. um, because that's what Christ invites. So mm. to speak the truth and also offer liberation because we've experienced liberation, I yeah. think is a, is a reciprocal and, and cycle that we want to live in because it is truly the way to freedom. And so I would encourage anybody, if you're finding yourself in this middle ground here, holding that tension, it's a tension to be managed, not a tension to be solved. It is one thing to be a truth teller, and it's another thing to allow the truth to change you. That's great. Wow, that's good, Tiffany. I mean, yeah, Jesus was, you say, on the Sermon on the Mount, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Right. Righteousness there is, yeah. Righteousness is, is justification. Yes. That means our justification before God, but it also spills out into what is right. How do we help to set in this world? What is right? That's the partnership that God has invited us into as believers is to, to, to partner with him, to take, you know, I mean the chaos, right. That should be made to order. This is how we are ambassadors of the kingdom here on earth. Yeah, and, um, absolutely. And and that's what that's one of your passions. That's what you're passionate about. And you know, that's why you've written this book, Pray Tell, um, why we silence women who tell the truth and how everyone can speak up. Um, you know, I wonder, we've we dove into it a little bit, but within this subtitle, you say why we silence women. Can you give us a little bit of, you know, Obviously, you're not gonna. Everybody's gonna have to go pick up the book to give us to, for you know to get insight into the the full scale of of what you're saying as far as um, you know the the what what's going on behind the scenes here. But I would love to hear just a little bit of that. Why do we as the culture? What why have women historically been silenced? Why is this still happening today? Yeah, yeah. Well, when Christ came to make everything right, he did. Yet the culture seeped into the church rather than the church impacting the culture. So when you look at the first century, mm. the the teachings of that time that women were inherently evil, lustful, they are the reason for man's downfall. That that teaching and that influence just really got into the weave and the way of the first century early church. And you fast forward now to where we blame women if something happened to them. It's her fault. She must have done something to invite it. Well, we can trace that thinking back all the way to the early church and how they were um, proponents of that belief. You know, the early church father, Tertullian, said that a woman is the devil's gateway. (laughs) And we're talking about the church fathers and the church mothers. They advanced this propaganda that really painted Eve and all of her daughters in a light that was not fitting to the light of Christ. 
Yeah. So yeah. that is where I come from. Why, why do we silence women? Because we have architected and seen them and propped them up in such a way in culture that they are the reason that things are going wrong. They are the mm. reason that we haven't advanced the way we have yet. When we look at Jesus, we look at somebody who was outrageously countercultural. He empowered and emboldened women in the first century like nobody had ever seen before. Mm. And we can look at the Old Testament and we can see hints of goodness and hints of glory and hints of equality in ways when, you know, Nathan stood up for Bathsheba and, and Hagar is greeted by the angel. We see all these pictures of what's coming in yeah. Christ. And yet here in our modern day, we still have so much work to do to see women um, as partners for the advancement of the gospel. So yeah. why we silence women and how we silence women by everything from NDAs to social blame to victim shaming. Mm. Um, and then, of course, what we as believers can do about it and how we can lament, how we can listen without judgment, how we can yeah. love women and how we can walk alongside them um, to a place of justice because every woman deserves to be in a just world. I mean, Davey, it's the leading reason women leave churches is because of what we've yeah. talked about today. The number one woman reason women are leaving churches, it's the number one reason women apply for different jobs is because mm. how are they how they're treated at work and how they're treated at church this is an epidemic that's plaguing us all and we can all be part of the answer wow that's really good you know it's interesting <clears throat> um you said earlier that you know at the very beginning that you were the you were the girl that was all about evangelical christian culture the all the you know purity uh, true love waits i'm sure i'm I'm here for it. In this. I, I gotta be honest there's a lot of good <laughs> with the, too, so i don't want to so throw the baby out with the bathwater. there was a lot of there's a lot of really good things within that. But here's, so I was too, I grew up a pastor's kid and you know, all the youth camps, all the youth conferences, all the purity talks, yep, uh, you know, the flannel graph with the, <laughs> here's yeah. the line kind of like, you know, what's in the whole, it. all Don't that sort close. of deal, right? When the breathing gets heavy, run away. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Here's what it can do. Let me just kind of speak from a, a, a um, kind of a man's perspective on all of this. Cause I think it dovetails so well with what you're talking about. And, um, I would hope that men would be as vulnerable enough to, to admit this when you're fighting that fight of purity, what can end up happening is because the object of your lust is women instead of hating your lust, hating that sin, right. And doing whatever you can to like fight against the flesh nature inside of you, you can end up villainizing women. Exactly. exactly. And you can end up tricking yourself or being deceived into thinking exactly what you're saying that Tortullian said, you know, back mm -hmm. in the first century. Yeah. And so when you hear those kinds of things, like early church fathers saying that kind of stuff, you go, I go, I can see how he gets there mm -hmm. because I, I understand that from experience and it's wrong. Yeah. Right. And it's wrong. It's wrong yeah. Because the way we should see each other, you know, is brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. That's how yeah. we should see each other. We should hate the flesh inside of us. Yeah. flesh nature inside of us, not anybody else. Yeah. Right. To scorn not... the shame, to scorn the yes. shame and carry the cross, not to endure the so shame great. or even worse, as you're saying, place it on someone externally. Right. So we are free and pardoned from our own thoughts and actions. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. So what do we do about this? Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, this to... is a big topic. This is a huge undertaking, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, props, props to you for stepping in as a voice here and, yeah. you know, but, but what do we do about this? Yeah. I think we first have to look to how we have viewed men and women. And I, I want to go back to what you just said too, about the purity culture thing of, you know, rather than hating the sin and being able to examine the flesh, we, we put all that ire toward, toward women and we've allowed them to be the problem and we've labeled them the problem as such. And so yeah. when they are truth tellers, we're like, well, no, look at you, you did this, yeah. you're the problem. Here. Right. Right. So being able to first examine where our thinking of women comes from, is it, is it from scripture? Is it from Jesus encounter with women in the new Testament? Because we have a perfect picture of what God believes about women when we look at Jesus. Right. So I think that's where we start. We start with scripture. And then we, and then we move to repentance, repenting of ways that we may have propelled or upheld um, this kind of view or talk, even with our own sons and daughters. 
Um, And especially with our daughters and understand that we're all the boss of our own thoughts and our own body. Nobody Mm, has made us do anything uh, unless we've been, you know, physically harmed. But we are the boss of our body. We are the boss of our thoughts. And we don't get to place that blame on somebody else. And then I think we have to we have to listen. Um, I've, I've received hundreds upon hundreds of emails and direct messages from women who said, thank you for this, because you gave me vernacular to describe my experiences. And yeah. even the vernacular much that we use today, Davey, wasn't developed and put into popular culture until the late 70s. And so mm. understanding and being able to listen and share without judgment of what has happened and being able to use the words to accurately describe how harmed we've been is so valuable because every one of us wants to be heard. Every one of us wants to be seen as we are, mm. no matter what we've gone through. And I think as believers, being able to withhold judgment and look at how Christ treated all those he encountered, he didn't go in with a lecture or second guess or, are you sure that happened? Are you sure? Or did he, maybe he, maybe, maybe you're just into him or maybe you, maybe you misunderstood or are you sure that man would do that? He's such a good man. He preached such a good message on Sunday. Mm -hmm. He couldn't possibly, we just must listen. Our job is to listen, compassion and empathy, number one. And then finally, uh, love looks like justice. I think especially in faith context, we have divorced justice uh, mm. from love. And those are, uh, <laughs> uh, they're on the same side of the coin, I yeah. promise you. And understand right. that when we pursue justice and transparency, that is not hurting the witness of the church. We serve a God who will not be shaken. That yeah. is honesty and, and pursuing that reconciliation and reparation and restoration that image bearers are due. Yeah. That's so good. I just kept, uh, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking of Micah 6, 8. He has told you mm-hmm. what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to yeah. love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Together. And that's Not one yes. at the expense of the other. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. We, 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 I want you to kind of like speak to, as we close here, um, responsibility that you would really exhort people to have, um, on both fronts. Um, if we, if we go ahead and define that still today, there is, um, an imbalance of quote unquote power between genders, mm-hmm. right? There's an inequality mm-hmm. that still manifests itself today. Yep. Um, there are those of us men who we don't want that, you know, right. we want the true Imago day to be expressed here right. on earth. Um, in the distinct natures of man and woman, and yet the the equality of the two, yeah. and um, so so those of us men, what if you're talking to a bunch of men right now, and you're saying, okay, <laughs> you're at a men's conference, Tiffany, and and you're going, hey, let me let me encourage you, let me exhort you, let me tell you, this is the responsibility that you have, and then I'm gonna flip the question and say, okay, this, ladies, is the responsibility that you have in this whole conversation. Yeah. What a wonderful. Oh, it would be my honor. Well, (laughs) what I'm about to tell you is way easier than what you would ever think. Hmm. It's called bystander intervention and anyone can do it. But specifically men have a unique way of doing this before the stakes are high, before we see something on NPR, that someone abuse their power. There is a simple, simple three-step process that we can do that is um, is executed in every branch of the military and in most uh, U.S. academic institutions, and it's this. First, if you see something, simply intervene and distract. You go up, you see Doug talking weird to Rosie, and you can tell Rosie's darting her eyes. She looks uncomfortable. Simply go up. Hey, Rosie, I had something to fill you in on. Did you want to go grab a coffee? Or I needed to go over this report with you. I don't care what context you're in. If it's at the you know, foyer at church or if it's at the water cooler, there is a yeah. way to simply distract simply distract. And then you go to Doug and you're like, Hey man, especially as a man, remember we're talking at a men's conference and you're like, Doug, I could tell Rosie was uncomfortable. I just want you to know I saw that. That's not cool, man. We're going to give Doug the benefit of the doubt. Cause we don't think every dude is a slime ball. Right. And then Doug's like, I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. Them, and then, yeah. And then you're like, Doug, I saw you boo. You, you're not going to get away with that. You can't <laughs> talk to her like that. That's yeah. not appropriate. So Doug's been seen And if Doug does it again, he knows, you know, and you're going to report him or you're going to help take action. And then you go to Rosie. Rosie, were you okay? I I, I sense that you're, I may be totally off Rosie, but I sensed you were uncomfortable. I just want you to know if we need to go talk to somebody about this or or, or if you're feeling uncomfortable, I want you to know I see you. And here's the thing, Davey, women, we self-deny. No, that wasn't, no, surely that wasn't Mm. what it meant. 
until somebody affirms it. We're like, yeah, I really did feel uncomfortable Mm. because we are taught to be nice at the expense of having boundaries. Mm -hmm. We're so young. Hey, go hug uncle Carl. And we're like, I don't want to hug uncle Carl. (laughs) Right. So we, we are, that we are. And so the idea of, again, we're the boss of our body is so huge that we understand. Yeah, no, you're right. Because we're willing to deny our own experience that just happened until somebody affirms it. And especially if it's another male, we'll be like, okay, that wasn't just me. Yeah, no, I felt really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Or she could say, Doug's been harassing me for months in the foyer and I, I don't know what to do. This is so scary. I, I, I get PTSD just seeing him. You never know what could come out, right? Those right. three things, simply distract, That's great. go to the guy and then go to the girl. And you, just that small act, could prevent gendered harm in ways yeah. that we desperately don't want to witness. Yeah, that's phenomenal. That's so good. Okay, so now you're at the women's conference. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think speaking to a group of women about this. Yeah, I think for women, uh, we are so fearful that if something bad happened to her and she didn't do something to deserve it, it could happen to us. Yeah. And that's terrifying. So we're yeah. willing to dismiss her. We're willing to come up with reasons to exploit her mm. character or find a way because we desperately don't want to live in a world where that could easily happen to us. So I would encourage you to my sisters who are listening for all of us to lend your ear and to lend your strength because we need each other. The advancement that women have made from the time they were at the cross to this modern day is because they had agency together. The yeah. greatest advancements in human history for women were was women gathered together. And that will continue in this day and in future generations. We must not see each other as the enemy, or if we get too close, we'll be part of somebody else's downfall. We are here as compassionate ambassadors to lift each other up. There's room at the table for all of us. That's great. That's great. Tiffany, this has been awesome. I appreciate so much the time that you've taken to speak into our community. And I want to make sure everybody picks up the book, Pray Tell. Um, I'm, I'm assuming you can find it anywhere, right? Anywhere. All over the place. Yeah. Anywhere yeah. books are sold. Is, is there any particular places we can follow along with what you're doing that we can, uh, you know, are you on, on Instagram, all of that? Yeah. For the everyday I'm on Instagram. Yeah. And then on my site, there's a free pray tell Bible study. If you want to wet your feet and appetite to understand a little bit more, bit more about gender harm and how we see in scripture and what we can do about it. Oh, that's great. Well, we'll put all that in the show notes and, uh, Tiffany, I just appreciate you spending some time with us. Thanks so much. Uh, Thanks for having me. Davey, you know, I love every single one of our episodes and I love every single one of our guests. I feel particularly honored to be able to carry this story with her because I think it's something we're carrying on behalf of women around the world. That's right, yeah. Right? Like not just not just women in the States, but women globally who experience so much abuse and suffering and um, and often are either not believed or are often just like silenced. Right. And so I right. appreciate that this is the minute. I mean, what a hard ministry that God has given Tiffany, but I really appreciate that yeah. she's stewarding it well and, and being a, being a mouthpiece for injustice yeah. in so many ways. Yeah. It's so good. You know, again, I mentioned this on the, the front half of this uh, episode, but you know, Aubrey, I don't, I don't know what I don't know. And I know right. that this is a, a a topic that you're extremely passionate about. Yeah. One, because, you know, of your, of your experience, you've shared openly, mm-hmm. you know, about, um, uh, sexual assault in your own mm-hmm. story. Um, but also just in terms of really, as you have been, um, as your voice has been continuing to be amplified, there's some mm-hmm. places where that's accepted and there's some places where that's resisted. And so right. you know, this right. is something you're passionate about. I mean, what is it? Yeah maybe educate me and maybe some other <laughs> listeners of the, of the, of the male gender who are, I mean, you know, like just help us understand yeah. like what this looks like. And then of course mm. there's so many people who are listening to this, so many women who are listening to this and that this mm. is what they feel in their experience mm. minister to, to them right now. You know, it's, it's funny, Davey, I was actually asked to speak at Judson university recently on is the Bible anti-women. Oh, wow. And you know, I, I was able to emphatically say, no, the Bible is yeah. not anti-women. However, <laughs> it would be really disingenuous if we didn't acknowledge that often it feels like 
our own brothers in yeah. the church are anti-women. Sometimes yeah. our sisters in the church are anti-women, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and of course, we know the, the world is anti-women. We know that the enemy is anti-women. Yeah, right. Um, I would say, I mean, you know, there's pain that women experience simply for like being in their own bodies as a woman, especially like, you know, in light of purity culture, which I grew, I grew right. up in purity culture. I was a youth pastor at the time of purity culture, so right. I proclaim things about purity culture. There, unfortunately, some of the, as we all know, some of the residual effects of that are just simply that, like, you were blamed as a woman for having a woman's body mm. or as a young girl for right. being a young right. girl. And simply by nature of that fact, that meant you were, um, mm. like, something about your very own existence, your very own givenness would cause your brother to like, to quote unquote stumble. And so there's that, right? That's sort of in the evangelical church world. And I, we're coming out of that, but you know, that's, that's still a, a really, that's still a thing. But then I would say the other thing is just the problem of the fact that as women and girls, have tried to be brave enough to share their stories of abuse, assault, even just microaggressions. For whatever reason, because a a woman's voice or a girl's voice has never been accepted as equal to a man's voice, those stories just haven't been believed. Mm. And it's, or it's like, well, we believe you, but there's two sides to every story. Or we believe you, but his ministry is so powerful right. and there's so much fruit happening and therefore this story can't get yeah, out because yeah. it would ru- I mean this is an extreme example David be thinking about Ravi Zacharias exactly. and right the I mean the mass the global scale of criminal behavior against women that was hidden because of the quote unquote fruit and that's when you go right. okay well what is a I mean this is the title of a book but like what is a girl worth yeah. it, like is he worth more than she is wow and and so it's I mean I'm not even making sense probably but even just Davey even just two days ago hmm. I talked with a 19 year old who a, a guy a, a peer assaulted her she went to the powers that be where it happened and they said well there's there's two sides to every story. Wow. And she was sitting in front of me sobbing wow. because the people who are supposed to protect her like don't even know she's telling the truth. Oh, and this is in 2022. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so I don't know what it's going to take for the church to just start just start believing women. Mm-hmm. Just start there. Like, wow. Let's just err on the side of that. Let's yeah. start stop protecting predators in the name of the quote unquote fruit. Cause I'm telling you that's yeah. rotten fruit. Right. right. And, um, and I, let's just remember that we girls and women were created with the same yeah. amount of dignity and, mm. and imago dayness that men were. And because wow. at the end of the day, it may not seem like, that's what you're saying. You don't have as much dignity and value as I do, but that is the message yep. that that girls get. Yeah. Simply because you're like born in a girl body, right. you know. And and oh my oh. gosh, it's so complicated. It's so deeply painful, Davy. And you know, here I am speaking at Judson University to the like the new generation, yeah. like Generation Gen Z, them. and they they have it better than. But I, the line of women that came to talk to me with their pain of being marginalized in their own churches, like they're in churches wow. that still don't even know if they can leave the nursery. Wow. And look, the nursery is a great place to serve, but like their churches are literally debating, can, can you serve in youth ministry? Wow. Can you, oh, could you go up to college? Wow. Can you? Let alone, I mean, a whole other conversation about women preaching. That's that's a whole other <laughs> soapbox I'll get on. But this is Gen Z oh, in line man. with their pain to tell me their stories, wow. which honestly surprised me a little bit because I thought, no, the next generation's got this. Yeah. But it's almost like the pendulum swinging the other way mm-hmm. where like a lot of, of us evangelicals are going, no, we got to protect maleness and this really, the world's going to fall apart if the men don't. Yep. And I, I just don't think that's the right approach. Yeah. Like, let can we be partners in the gospel right. the way that we were designed to be by God himself in Genesis 1? Oh, so good. Anyway, that's I'll so stop good. talking because I could talk forever. Well, you know, but. I mean, one of the things that I'd noted that 
as you're talking that I had not thought about. And I don't know why I hadn't thought about this. Of course, the enemy is going to try to attack everything mm. that's beautiful that God created. Mm. I hadn't thought about this being on, on the supernatural level of an enemy attack, right? To, oh, it absolutely is. To, to oppress and suppress the beautiful, wonderful creation of woman. Yeah. And I think the reason that I, that, that struck me is I'm, I'm reading right now, Gene Edwards, um, uh, a divine romance. Oh, I don't know that book. Um, he's the author of, you know, the prisoner, uh, prisoner in the fourth, uh, anyways, phenomenal. Yeah. Okay. Phenomenal book. I'm but it basically it is he kind of narrates, um, just like the story arc of God pursuing his people. Oh, but wow. the way he paints the picture at the beginning is this idea of, you know, God existing in and of himself and not needing any, anything because he's in perfect community. And yet he desires this, like, mm. so he creates man. And then because he has given man this image of God, man also desires that same thing. And so mm. he almost like narrates this as if it's like, he's pleading with God, like, God, like, like I need, I need a mate. I need somebody yeah. to yeah. like partner with and, you know, and yeah. this whole thing. And, and so th the way he paints it is so beautiful. About, beautiful. Because you see the language that he uses, you can see he's setting it up for how God pursues the church. Mm. So what made me think about this is like, okay, the bride of Christ is the church. Of course, the enemy would love to take the very, yes. um, the very personhood that represents the bride of the beauty of the bride of Christ yes. in his creation. And he wants to suppress that. He wants to, he wants to cause it to, you know, yeah. become deviant, become, you know, really like, you know, you totally. should, you should, um, uh, you should be suspicious about it. You should, in all these different ways, rather than just, you know, propping it up for its unique, distinct yeah. beauty yeah. and gifting yeah. and what God created woman to be in this world. Yeah. And I'm like, man, this is a spiritual attack. It absolutely is what this is. Spiritual attack. It, it absolutely is. And that's why I just think that the enemy just keeps rearing his ugly yeah. head. Cause I'm telling you, there's thousands of years of demonic oppression against women. And so it is going to take a work of the church and the Holy Spirit, like like moving with power to yeah. make a difference. It, it really is. Wow. Wow. Well, that wasn't even, I hadn't even processed that thought, but man, I just, Aubrey, thank you for sharing so passionately. Thanks for letting your, me vent. Thanks no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, this is something, you're in this every single day. And this yeah, is one of those things yeah. that you're really passionate about Yeah. in trying to make headway and not just make headway, but reformation in this area. And so thank you for what you're doing. Um, and, uh, and, and for those of you guys who are listening to this and this has been your experience, I mean, I would encourage you to reach out to Aubrey, reach out to some other folks on our, yep. on our platform and community platform. There's so many other women who are, who are walking through so many different things. And so you go to nothingiswasted.com. We would love to help you no matter what you've gone through. We'd love to help yes. you walk beside you, help you partner with God to take back your story. There's lots of resources, ways you can get connected there. And um, we'd love to encourage you to do that. We would also love to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing is Wasted podcast. You can download his music anywhere music can be downloaded and streamed. And we'd love to encourage you to follow us on the social networks and not just follow us, but engage with us. We want to talk with you. We want to communicate. We want to have conversation with you. And there's so many things that we do on Nothing is Wasted Ministries, Instagram at Nothing is Wasted Ministries. There's giveaways that we're going to do regularly. So you'll want to get in on those. Some of the book giveaways, the authors that we're featuring on the Nothing is Wasted podcast, and as well as some other resource giveaways. You can follow me at Davey Blackburn. You can follow Aubrey at Obsamp. And um, next week, we've got a great conversation, don't we, Aubrey? Powerhouse next week. We've been one, we've been excited about this for a long time. This is gonna yeah. be a good conversation. This is a dream. In fact, can I just say I, it? I, I want to let you. Like, okay, I'm gonna pitch say that. like That's the whole it, yeah. segue. So uh, <laughs> I feel like I need like a round. I need like a drum yeah. roll here. But we are so excited because next week we are joined by the 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 one and only mm. Jackie Hill. Perry. Yeah. If you don't know her, she's an author. She's a poet. She's a Bible teacher. She's a hip hop artist. Absolutely an incredible, incredible woman of God. So let's yeah. go ahead and take a listen to part of Davy's conversation with Jackie Hill Perry. I think one of the interesting parts of my story is how it begins, which is that when my mother found out she was pregnant with me, her initial thought was to get an abortion. Um, but mm. my uh, her best friend 
uh, told her, you know, and then they weren't Christians. And so it's not like she had to obey God in this. Uh, but her best friend said, right. how do you know that the, the that God didn't want you to have this baby this way? Meaning with this man that you don't want to have a baby with, et cetera, et cetera. And my mother mm. said her mind instantly changed. And so she decided to keep me. And so I think already wow. it's kind of like really interesting. Yeah. Um, so I was born to her. Yeah. Uh, my dad, uh, he did not love me as well as my mother did. He was really inconsistent in my life. Uh, around six or seven, I was also... Uh, sexually abused on top of being introduced to pornography. And so I have this sexual abuse mixed with, you know, watching these sexual deviant videos and, and things all the time. And so I just had a lot of confusion about who I was and what I was supposed to, you know, do and things like that. Uh, mixed with gender confusion, feeling like I was supposed to be a boy, mixed with same-sex attraction. And so I was a really um, complicated child, as we all are. Um, so I was raised also in the black church where, you know, I'm hearing stories about Jesus, seeing people live holy, but feeling like none of those things have anything to do with me. 